um, life is a testimony, and each part of your testimony can help you force, face the giant Goliath. Like, the, like David in his young age, he said, the Lord that delivered me out of the power of the lion and out of the power of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hands of the Philistine. The woman at the well, she went back to the village and said, come, come and see the man who told me what I have done. Women, you have also a work to do. Thank you, Sister Francois. I was nothing till Jesus found me. Amen. Amen. Just before we go to the radio welcome, I just want to thank all the ladies that are participating in Women's Day and a special prayer out for Sister Pruitt that the Lord will continue to heal, heal her since she can't be with us today. Good morning to our listening audience at Station KKVV. Thank you once again for taking the opportunity to join with us at Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located at 1720 North J Street. Our contact number is 702-647-2627.
Our website is www.abundantlifelv.org. We are pastored by O'Neill Madden and Associate Pastor Russell Lewars. Our speaker today is Sister Lorraine Daniel Palmer. Lorraine, Sister Lorraine Daniel Palmer was born in Birmingham, England. She's also lived in Canada and India and been in the U.S. for over 11 years. She enjoys photography and the creative arts as well as traveling whenever she can. Sister Lorraine would like to be used as God sees fit to further his work. To this end, she has accepted the invitation to speak at Abundant Life today. Sister Daniel Palmer has worked in the education, volunteer, advocacy, and legal sectors during the course of her career and currently serves as vice counsel for the Foreign and Commonwealth Office. She's been married to Pastor Kingsley Palmer of the Sparks SDA Church and Nevada Utah Conference Regional Ministries Coordinator for 24 years. She has two sons and four grandchildren. Sister Palmer is one of the um, mentors that I've had in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, she has been, for me, a mentor in how a godly Christian woman behaves and acts. She's a dear friend, and I consider it a privilege and an honor that she's agreed to join us today. After the next sacred selection, the next voice you hear will be Sister Lorraine Daniel Palmer. Hear ye her. If you're thinking you could have been 
say another amen to that wonderful message in song. Amen. Um, I'm just, do I need to push this away? Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's a pleasure to be here with you today, and especially as it's Women's Day, and uh, thank you, Lafon, for the invitation. I will admit I am a little nervous, so bear with me, but I know that God is good, and um, I'm particularly grateful to whoever put the note in the bulletin um, about the vitamin C for the spirit. So I've just been backstage and taken about 2,000 milligrams of that vitamin C for the spirit, which just if, in case you haven't read it in the bulletin, it says God doesn't call us because we are particularly gifted or talented. He uses us because we are obedient and dependent upon him. He doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the call. So thank you for whoever put that in. That was fantastic. <laughs> so this morning, or this afternoon, I'm here to share with you, and particularly the baptismal candidates, uh, a word from the Lord. And um, my presentation this morning is entitled Minds for Eternity. Minds for Eternity. And can you all say this with me. It really is all about me. Can you say that? It really is all about me. And if you're not quite sure what that means, hopefully by the end of the uh, service, you will totally understand why it really is all about me. So let's just bow our heads and have a prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit, for your love and for your mercy towards each one of us. Father, I ask that you be with me as I speak to your people this morning. I ask that your presence will be with each one of them. May you speak directly to those souls who are waiting to hear a word from you. And may all of our lives be changed, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you heard the scripture reading this morning, or at least one of them, we looked at Colossians 3 verse 2. And can I ask that you say that with us together? Set your minds and keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not the things that are on earth. It really is all about me. We, brothers and sisters, are in a battle for our lives. How many of you believe that this morning? And it's a battle that we can never win by ourselves. In this battle, our opponent cannot be seen. We can't touch our opponent. But if our minds are not fixed and connected to that of Jesus Christ, then we will never win this battle. Minds for Eternity. This morning, I'm going to share with you some information that I hope you will be able to use for a long time to come, in fact, every day. And we're going to look at four areas of this subject. The first one is, what is so special about our mind? What is a mind for eternity? What does that mean? Why should we have a mind for eternity? Should we have a mind for eternity? And then, if we should have a mind for eternity, how can we get a mind for eternity? Let's take the first part of the, the message, the brain. How many of you know how your brain works? Has anybody studied in depth their mind or the brain? Anybody? Okay. We know for sure, one person over there, <laughs> 
we know for sure that it's an incredible, the most incredible part actually on our bodies. It is huge. The capacity of the mind is far greater than any computer that you can have. It's got 100 billion neurons. The human brain is five times the size of mammals. Some parts of the brain are bigger than others, and the frontal lobes are the biggest area, and they are the biggest area because in that area, we use it for things like self-control, uh, planning, reasoning, and abstract thoughts. Actually, we probably only use less than 50% of our minds. It's that huge, but very important. Actually, the mind is the best possession that you have. It's not your car, it's not your house, it's not your clothes or your shoes or anything like that, not your job or the people you know, the connections you have, but your mind is the best possession you have. It must be trained, however. We can't just let our minds lay idle and we have to train it and guide it by the grace of God to do what he wants it to do. Some of you may be familiar with the um, Greek story of the Trojan horse. How many of you heard about the Trojan horse? And you're familiar with what happened there with the Greeks uh, and the Trojans. They were in a battle for 10 years, actually, and uh, almost coming to the end, and people were getting weary. When we get tired, what do we do? Sometimes we let our guard down. We let our guard down. So in this case, as you know the story, the Greeks thought, well, they saw the Trojans um, sailing away. They had made the big horse, as you know, and then they saw the majority of the Trojans um, sailing off. So they thought, oh, they've gone and we've, you know, we can relax, we've won. But when they wheeled the horse into the city, the inside of the city, what happened? We know what happened. There were soldiers in the huge horse and they opened the door of that horse and they conquered that city. Ladies, our minds are like that city. In fact, we know that throughout history, the capture of a capital city has been the most important thing in deciding who wins the war. We have the uh, story that I've just told you about the Greeks and the Trojans. But even from way before that, we have Chinese Ming dynasties. We have seen very recently the, um, the, the insurgency in countries all over the Middle East, Libya. And it wasn't until the rebels had actually captured Tripoli could they actually declare that they had won. It's important to capture the capital city. The Latin word for capital is caput. Can you say that? Caput, which means head. Interesting. The capital word in Latin means head. Mind, brain. Interesting. Armies always go for the capital city, no matter what. They go for the centers of power, the economic, the financial, the cultural capitals. If they've got the capital cities, they have won the war. Interesting that capital means head. In uh, the Testimonies, Volume 3, there's a very interesting quote which brings this together, which says, let's read that together. Every organ in the body was made to be the servant of the mind. The mind is the capital of the body. Mm. It really is 
all about me. The mind is the capital of the body. Ladies, remember that. I have a question for you. What's going on in the capital of your mind today, right now as you're sitting here? What are you thinking about? What's going through your mind? For thousands of years, Satan has been experimenting upon the properties of the human mind and he has learnt to know it well. Think about that. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, in high places. The battle that we are in is a battle for our minds this morning. It's not a flesh and blood battle that we are in. It's something much more important than that. It's the battle for control over your mind. If the devil can get your mind, guess what? He's got you. minds. Our minds are the targets for Satan. And he wants to hit the bullseye every time. So when you and I are going around our daily business, whether it's at home with our families, whether it's at work or school with our friends, wherever we are, sometimes we get into conflicts with people. You know, maybe a little disagreement here or there. And we may think we've actually got a problem with that person. But that's the small picture. We have to remember that the devil has to use somebody in order to get to our minds. He's not going to, you know, walk up to us and say, hi, I'm the devil. I'm after your mind. He's not going to do that. He has to use somebody. So when you have a conflict with someone, think about the bigger picture. What's going on here? That is bait that the devil uses to reel you in. Because we then think that, oh, this person doesn't like me, or they've done this to me, they've done that, and we go for that person. But that's the small picture. That's the bait that the devil uses to get into our minds. So for him... Attacking our capital is the best return on investment, the ROI, that Satan can ever get. Because nothing else matters once he is controlling our minds. From the moment that Adam and Eve were created, Satan began to devise ways and means to attack the woman attack mankind. And he's, he's been doing that for thousands of years. You know? How many of you have been at your job for more than five years? Can I see some the people who have been working at the same job for more than five years? Okay. How many people have been working at the same job for ten years? Anybody? Okay. How many of you have been working at the same job for fifteen years? Anybody? Wow. How about 20 years? Amazing. Anybody more than 25 years? Okay. All right. Those of you who have been working at the same job for more than 25 years, and those of you who have been working for five years at the same job, who do you think knows more about how to do their job? The person who's been doing it for five years or the person who's been doing it for 25 years? 
more than likely the person who's been doing it for 25 years. Satan has been studying ways and means to capture the capital of the human mind for thousands of years. Think about that. Imagine how good he is at his job. That's his job, his only job. He's an expert at trying to attack our minds. He's calculating and precise. He has a strategy, he has a plan. And we need to be aware of that. Ladies, Satan knows that women have a power of influence for good or for evil. Therefore, he seeks to enlist them in his cause. Think about the Garden of Eden. Who did the devil tempt with the fruit? Was it Adam or was it Eve? Why do you think that was? I know there are lots of theories out there, <laughs> especially among the men. <laughs> but think about it. And think about this quotation. If perhaps, and I'm using my sanctified, hopefully, imagination here, but let's say he had tempted Adam to eat the fruit, and then Adam went and found Eve and said, Eve, look what I've got. Have some of this. What do you think Eve might have said? Probably no. No, I don't think so, Adam. <laughs> Eve, on the other hand, Satan knew, I believe Satan knew the influence of a woman. And so... Adam didn't really want to live without Eve and thought he'd better go along with the program here. So I would like to suggest that women need to understand how much influence they actually have. The devil knows it, Satan knows it, and trust me, he is going to use it every time. Don't become a victim, ladies. The minds, our minds in this day and age are bombarded with so many things. We go to work, we may go to school, we may go to school and work, we may have a family, we may have to look after children or aging parents. So many things call for our attention. Friends at school, university, lots of peer pressure. Everybody wants a piece of us. But our minds must be free from human enchantment. And we should not allow our minds to grovel to humanity, but to soar high, to soar aloft to the spiritual things and take hold of eternal things. If we feed our minds human day-to-day garbage. What do you think is going to come out of us? Garbage. There was a story that I heard a little while ago, and it was about um, Germany before it became one. So you remember it had East Germany and West Germany. So the story is told of um, a group of people who lived in a small village very close to the border of the West German side. So they would have their arguments from time to time, and of course they were not friends, <laughs> they were enemies. But one night, a group of people from the village on the East German side decided that they were going to go for a midnight walk. So they gathered up as much rubbish that they could find, garbage, that was hanging around the town village on the East German side. So just after midnight, when it was dark and quiet, they were able somehow to sneak across the border 
to the neighboring town on the West German side. And if you know anything about Germany and Germans, they're very tidy, organized people for the most part. So they found their way to the center of the village, of the town on the West German side. Beautiful village square. So what did they do? They unloaded all of the garbage that they had brought with them from their East German village. And they just dumped the garbage and sprawled it out over the um, center of the town. Well, the next morning, you can imagine, as the uh, West Germans woke up, you know, opening their shutters, looking out on their beautiful town square, what do you think they saw? Absolute chaos, garbage, and they're trying to figure out what on earth happened. And they did. So, some of the villagers from the West German side decided, okay, we see what's going on here. So they got a group of friends together, and what do you think they did? They decided that they would send their neighbors a gift. So, they thought to themselves, hmm, what is it that our East German neighbors do not have? What don't they have? What shortages are there? Because remember, this was the time when East Germany was very poor and there were a lot of things that it didn't have. So they collected blankets, food, special gifts, a huge truckload. After midnight, they themselves went across the border to the East German village and neatly, very neatly, piled all of the things up in their village square. Guess what happened the next morning? The East Germans were amazed at what they saw. Not only were they amazed, but they were ashamed. People can only give what they have. If you have garbage in your mind, that's what you will give, garbage. If you have the love of God in your heart, in your mind, that is what you'll give. What do you have in your mind, ladies? What do you have in your mind? You can only give what you have. If it's garbage, that's what it will be. But it needs to be full of the Holy Spirit and things eternal. So, how do we get, how can we get a mind for eternity? How do we get this mind for eternity? How many of you have watched those makeover programs? Which ones have you watched? The what, sorry? Okay. Any other makeover shows that you've watched? Order? Okay, Borders. Orders. Okay, orders. Any other ones? HGTV. Extreme Makeover. Don't we love those kinds of programs? <laughs> you have to admit you love them. I mean, I think we enjoy going into somebody's or having a, a, a view into somebody's house that's an absolute mess. Because I think it makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves sometimes, to be honest. But, you know, you've got all of these makeover programs, Extreme Makeover. Several years ago, I went to a GC, a general conference session. How many of you have been to a general conference session? Some of you. How many of you know what a general conference session is? It is a meeting of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, World Church, that's held every five years. And it's usually in a different city each five years. So, um, at the sessions, they have an exhibition hall, and in that exhibition hall, for those of you who haven't been, they have loads of, of um, vendors with different kinds of, uh, of wares for people, different resources. So, two years ago, I went to the GC session, and I was walking in the exhibit hall. I came across a table that was very interesting for me, and I was like, hmm. I actually walked by it and then I had to come back. They were selling 
detox foot patches. And I was like, that's interesting. I wonder what those are about. So I kind of you know, walked around the table first just to pick some leaflets up and um, get some information. And I was like, this is very interesting. I'm going to come back here. So in the meantime, I walked away. And then I did come back. But I'll tell you what happened when I came back. But I'm saying that to say this. We, in order to have a mind for eternity, need a mind makeover. Many of us have got way too much, way too much in our minds that should not be there. So, the first thing we need to do is admit that we need one. You've seen those TV programs where, you know, you get the truck coming up at the door, the knock on the door, we're here from the extreme makeover. Sometimes the people are happy, sometimes they're not happy because those things are very precious to them. They've had them a long time. They don't want to get rid of anything. So the first thing we need to do is to um, admit we need a makeover. Admit we have things in our minds and lives that need to go. It's a denial-free zone. We need to stop the denial. We're not okay. Some of us think we're okay. We're not okay. Many of you are familiar with the story, The Emperor's New Clothes. How many of you have heard that story? The Emperor's New Clothes. The Emperor, the ruler, the supreme ruler, has his subjects in front of him, but he's naked. Do you think any one of the subjects wanted to tell the Emperor that he was naked? No, they just acted like nothing was wrong. Many of you are hanging out with people who are not telling you something is wrong. They're afraid to tell you that you are spiritually naked, that you have no clothes of righteousness on you. We need to admit what our true state is before the eyes of God this morning. We can't rely on our friends to tell us. They won't. Maybe they're naked too. We can't rely on our family to tell us. Maybe they f think that they're going to hurt your feelings. We can't rely on society to tell us. Look at society. What can they say? What can society say? The only thing we can do is rely on the word of God to be our standard, to tell us, that mirror that we look into, to tell us what our true condition is. Do not be like the emperor with no clothes. So we need a makeover, number one. We might think that we are rich, increased with goods, but really, what are we? Poor, wretched, blind, and naked. Revelation 3.17. We need to admit what our state, true state is before we can get the help that we need Okay, so the extreme makeover truck has come, pulled up at our house. We've got to take inventory. What have we got? What all have we got? You know, you've lived in the house for 10 years, 20 years. How many people like moving? I don't think I know anybody who likes to move because when it comes time to move, you have forgotten how much stuff you have. And it has to go somewhere, and somebody's got to put it together, and that's usually you and me. So it's not a pleasant task. But in order to have a mind for eternity, we have to take inventory of what's going on. What, what do we have in our minds? What's our lifestyle like? That needs to be checked off on the inventory list. What are, what are our working practices? We need to check that off on our inventory. What are our relationships like? Mm. Can we check that off on our inventory list? And the list, as you know, can go on and on and on. It's not pleasant 
but we must take inventory of our minds. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says, let's read that together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We have to do inventory and we need to ask God to search us to search our minds, to see what's there, so that we can really and truly have a mind for eternity. What do we need to do next? The N. Not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ. It really is all about me. Can you say that with me one more time? It really is all about me. Not I, but Christ. It's about mind for eternity, but the me is not about I. Okay? So don't get them confused. Making a commitment to have a mind for eternity is crucial. We can't do it unless we commit to Christ. More than being committed to having the mind makeover, we must be committed to the maker of the mind. Not I, but Christ. It really is all about me. So, because we need to be committed to the maker of our minds, we cannot think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. Ladies, but rather think of ourselves in sober judgment and according to the measure of faith that God has given us. Okay? Without Christ, we are nothing. We can do nothing. We will never amount to anything. But with Christ, we can do all things. Not I, but Christ. So, as I was telling you uh, when I was at the, G the general conference session, I did go back to that booth and I asked the, um, the man, there was a man and a lady, and I said, what are, you, what are you selling? What do you have here? And they were, they were foot detox patches. Have any of you seen those? I hadn't at that time, and I was like, what in the world is that? And what do you do with it? So for those of you who, who have seen those, um, it's like a huge plaster that you put on the sole of your feet. And in the middle of it, there's a bit of gauze, if you like, and there's something inside. It's all natural. And so he told me, when you go to bed at night, you put these patches, these large plasters, on the sole of your feet, and while you're sleeping, it draws out the toxins from your body. I'm like, really? Sounds good. I was like, I'll have a box of those. <laughs> so I was like, very interesting. So I went home and I thought about this and I thought, if we need to draw the toxins out of our bodies, don't you think we need to draw the toxins out of our minds as well? Our minds are full of toxins. We need to do the same to, to our minds. What is a toxin? Any substance that creates irritating, harmful effects in the body, undermining our health or stress, or stressing our biological or organ functions. So the dictionary definition is as such, but the phonetic way to say toxin if you note, there's a word that stands, stands out there, is sin. You see the second one? Taxin, toxin. Sin is at the heart of the toxins that are in our minds, in our bodies, and we need to get rid of them. They're making us sick. We have toxic relationships, young people, 
older people, women, men. Think about the relationships that you have. Are some of them toxic? Do we need to get rid of them? What about some thoughts that we have, negative thoughts about people that we don't like very much? We might need to get rid of some of those, draw some of those out. Habits, some habits. Some of us have got some habits that we may have forgotten to put on the inventory checklist, but they're lurking still. We need to get rid of some of those things. Actions, things that we do. The things that I do are not the things that I want to do. The things that I want to do sometimes are not the things that I should do. Toxic. Toxic. Sin is an irritant to our minds and our lives. Are you willing today to let God get rid of some of the toxins in your life? How about some of these toxins? Have any of you come across any of those lately? Can you see? Maybe some gossip. Maybe not, probably not in this church. I'm sure you probably don't have any of these things going on. Pornography. I'm sure nobody in this church has any, of, any such toxins in their life. What about a grudge? Anybody carried a grudge lately? Toxin. Resentment. Any resentment? Negativity. Not in this church, of course, but you probably know somebody who's, you know, got some of this going on. Unforgiveness. Not, and yeah, not in this church, I am sure. But you know somebody somewhere else who's got full of toxins, actually. And even the foot patches probably wouldn't help them, right? Toxins. When we lose our conscious integrity, our minds become a battlefield for Satan. I'll say that again. When we lose our conscious integrity, when the toxins take over, our minds become a battlefield for Satan. We are in a war. There is a battle for our minds. And we need to recognize that this morning. Two beautiful ladies, Marcia and Marie. Marcia and Marie. Both of them were gunned down on Thursday. Some of you may have heard on the news um, in Orlando, just outside Orlando, there was a gunman who went into a hair salon. Did it, how many of you have heard that story this week on the news? He went into a hair salon and started shooting. Three people were killed. A fourth was injured, shot five times. Then he went out and killed himself. I know these two ladies. I've known them for the last two years. In fact, on Thursday, I went to the hair salon, the same Thursday that they were killed. When I got there, it was very quiet. And I went in, and there was just one person sitting in the chair, and there were two other ladies whom I did not recognize. And I looked around, and I was like, where is everybody? How, where? And I asked for the person who normally does my hair, they said, she doesn't work here anymore. I was like, really? Then I said, well, where are the other staff? And they sa I said, is it under new management? And they said, they speak, they're from the Dominican Republic, so they speak Spanish. And so she didn't, she couldn't communicate very well. And she said, maybe. I was like, this is very strange. She said, but don't worry, we can do your hair. So I thought, okay. So I, I went in. As she was washing my hair, she said to me, Something terrible happened today, in the best English that she could. I was like, what happened? And then she pointed. She said, do you see those two um, chairs? You know how in the salon, they ha each, each stylist has a chair. So she pointed to those two chairs. She said, the ladies that work there, they were killed today. I'm like, what? I could not believe it. 
And she went on to tell me what had happened. Some of you heard it in the news. By the ex-boyfriend of Marcia, she had gotten a restraining order out against him, as too did the other lady, Marie, because he had gone to the salon. They had actually moved to a different salon just a couple of months ago, so they had their own salon. But he had gone there on the 5th of October with a gun and said he was going to kill them. So they, fortunately, the doors were closed. But they got the restraining order, and on Thursday, they were supposed to go to court so that the judge could determine whether it would be made a permanent order. At 2 o'clock in the afternoon, they were supposed to go to court. At 11 o'clock, her ex-boyfriend stormed in, shot Marie and killed her, shot Marcia five times, and she's still in the hospital as far as I know, shot another worker who was five months pregnant, and shot a customer who was having her hair done, and then left and killed himself. What do you think was going on in his mind? Did he have a mind for eternity? When your mind is full of things of this world, it is a battleground for Satan. I want to encourage you this morning to not let Satan have control of your mind. Because when he does, anything can happen. These ladies, beautiful ladies, in the prime of their life, that's it. Tomorrow is not promised to any one of us. Our minds need to be ready for eternity. It's interesting because the write-ups afterwards said when the killer did what he did, he went to a friend's house and then shot himself. But before he shot himself, he said to them, I have some problems, problems I cannot remedy. Do you have a problem this morning, brothers and sisters, ladies, that you cannot remedy? We all have problems that we cannot remedy. Jesus Christ is the only remedy for our hearts and our minds this morning. And the last thing that we need to do in having a mind for eternity is S, surrender. Surrender our lives and our hearts and our minds to Jesus Christ. We have to make a full commitment to the Holy Spirit so that he is the one that will have the control over our minds. Not emotions, not violence that we see on the television, not passions, but Christ. No eye has seen, no ear have heard, no mind conceived what God has in store for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. We have to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. Christ, and he's the answer. The man who shot all of those women said he had problems that he could not remedy. Christ came to combat the powers of darkness to break the control which Satan had gained over the human mind. And it's only if we surrender to Jesus Christ, will he be able to protect us and protect our minds? Brothers and sisters, ladies, we are nearing the end of time and we want now not to meet the world's tastes and practices, but to meet the mind of God this morning. Are you willing to meet the mind of God? Do you think it's important that we meet the mind of God? I agree. Finally, sisters and brothers, read this with me. Whatsoever is noble, whatsoever is right, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is admirable, if anything is praiseworthy, think about such things. This morning, I want to encourage you all to have a mind for eternity because it really is all about me.
as we think about what we've heard this morning, as we think about what's been going on in our lives, some of us have more toxins than we would care to admit in our lives, more toxic relationships, more stress than we should have. You know, our minds have become a battlefield, a battleground for Satan, and we're not winning the war. If you feel that you would like to have a mind for eternity this morning, you would like to have that mind makeover, you would like to do that inventory, you would like to make Christ the center of it all. You think you want to try the detox, it's time for the detox, you've been putting it off for too long. For a long time and the toxins are building up and we know what happens to the body when the toxins build up we become sick we become sick sin sick we need to surrender how many of you are willing to surrender or want to surrender to Christ today make that commitment for that change, that makeover. Can I ask you to please stand this morning? Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, you know you created us, you created our minds. It's the most important asset we have. Why? with you and you communicate with us. Father, we know that the devil is after each one of us and he's after our minds this morning. Father, we ask that you will put a hedge around each mind, each person, Lord. And we ask that they will make a commitment to have that mind makeover that they so desperately need. Father, whether they're struggling with who knows what, whether they're struggling with gossip, unfaithfulness, pornography, hatred, lust, whatever it is, Father, in their lives, I pray that you will come in and cleanse and detox their minds. Father, we ask that you forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of opening our minds to Satan. Many of us have done it and not known the consequences. Help us to focus on whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is pure. Help us to fill our minds with those things that can strengthen and detox our minds. And this morning, we ask the power of the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and minds so that they will so that our minds will never become a battleground for Satan. We know that you want to do this for us, and this morning we accept you in our lives, in our minds. Bless everyone who raised their hand this morning, who those who are being baptized, help them to know that it really is all about me, having a mind for eternity, not I, but Christ. This is my prayer in Jesus' name.